Welcome to Good Business, a launchpad podcast that goes behind the scenes of entrepreneurs who put people, planet and profit at the forefront of their mission. Hi, my name's Chris Edwards and I'm the founder of The Honeycombers, which is a digital media business in Asia. And more recently, the founder of Launchpad, a community of conscious entrepreneurs. I'm super excited to share that this episode was actually recorded live at what is a massive small business retail event in Singapore called the Boutiques Fair. We had a series of chats with founders who are currently scaling conscious and sustainable businesses in Asia, and we've got a lot of learnings to share with you. In this session, we speak with Poppy Skinner, founder of Apollina, Michelle van der Nacken, director of Wild Butcher, a local kombucha brand in Singapore, and Hena Tandarning, who is the founder and director of Del Rio Jewels, a jewelry business. And all three of these founders share with us how to really start up and scale in Singapore and create an ethical conscious business. All right, let's dive in. So today's topic is all about really how to start up and scale your business. And how do you grow a successful business in Singapore? So look, it is really hard and it's kind of a bit of a minefield of like where to start and how to really get going. Particularly if you're not Singaporean, it's even more challenging. So I really am looking forward to hearing from all of you today. But I wonder if you might want to just start with how long you've been going and where you are in your business journey. How would you describe it? Hi. So Apollonia has been going a year now. So Apollonia is a passion project of mine. I come from a fashion editorial background. And being in Singapore, I just couldn't find dresses and clothes that I really, really liked that were a good quality, that had an ethical background. So my cousin and I, we're both Italian, We have a fabric mill, which is our family business back in Italy. We would always make things for ourselves and our friends. And we've been doing that about 10 years. I had a kids' clothing business before, which I closed down. And I learned a lot from that about what people are looking for, what they'll pay for, what they'll scrimp on and what they'll splurge on. So I think I took that and did a soft launch of Apollonia about nine, 10 months ago had amazing feedback and then just went all in. So I've now got a business license. I'm a sole proprietor. I'm still just me, just little old me by myself. We've turned the garage of my house into a store and a, and a showroom. I'm not very good at social media, but I'm trying. Yeah, we're just chugging along. My husband helps me. My friends are helping me. But yeah, we've, I've just gone all in, really. Very brave to go all in. It's a big jump. I know the feeling well. Hannah, do you want to share where you're at in your journey? Hi, everyone. So I started in science. I've been very methodological with everything. And when I had my kids, I decided to start Del Rio Jewels, which is now about two and a half to three years old. Like Poppy, I started with no prior experience and kind of worked my way up to where it is today. I still don't know what I'm doing with social media. My house is also a garage. My bathroom is where I take my photos of my products because that's where I get the best light. So, I mean, it's been a work in progress, but I think it's definitely progressing from where it started. Thank you. And Michelle, 
can you share with us? Where are you at on your journey? Hi, hi everyone. So, while Butcha Kombucha was actually uh, not originally founded by me, it was my business partner, Summer. She was the original founder. We went to a kombucha brewing class together to learn how to make it five years ago, five and a half years ago, actually now. She got really good at it. She made all these amazing flavors. I kind of sucked at it, to be honest. I kept forgetting it was in my cupboard. It got sour. But she came up with these amazing flavors. Friends kept buying it from her. And I would bump into her on the bus regularly with all these bottles that she would go and drop off at friends' houses and selling. I was in between two jobs. I was done with the legal world. I hated it. I got sick of reading contracts. So I was looking for a new opportunity. And I said, well, you know, I have a bit of that business background and I know my way around the law. She's an artist. She's amazing at creating, but she sucked at that part. So we partnered up, incorporated the company officially five years ago, brewed for the first year in her kitchen until her husband kicked us out. The same, the cupboards, the cabinets, everything was filled with jars of kombucha. So we found a little shop house on East Coast Road, um, second floor that we rented, approached our first F&B customers, got our first sign-ons. And then about two years after that, we went for our first investment capital raise. Um, which allowed us to buy a state-of-the-art brewery, which is now set up in Mandai. And we produce currently about 10,000 liters a month, supply F&Bs in Singapore, and I have seven staff. That Congratulations. Yes. And how much did you raise with your capital raise? So the first round was actually just friends. That was about 40K. And then the second round was two companies that invested in us, and that was 80K. And currently, I'm going for round number three to scale up even more. Congratulations. That's big. Kavi, I want to ask you, what's the biggest mistake you've made in your business endeavors? Well, there have been a few. But with my kids' clothing, as I said, I'm Italian. And in Italy, we take our kids everywhere with us and we dress them up and we put them in beautiful linens and silks and everything. I was so excited about having kids that... I thought everyone else would be as well. And so I went on holiday with my husband to Korea. I found an ethical factory. I produced all these amazing organic cottons. It cost me an arm and a leg. And that price, obviously, that I paid had to go into the pricing of my items. And it just, it wasn't relative to Singapore. It's too hot here. People go to cotton on kids grow up, they wipe their snotty noses and their hands on everything. And I had babies who were cute and podgy and I just thought were beautiful. I didn't think about them getting old and disgusting. I didn't think about the finished product and how it would translate to consumers. I was just thinking about myself. And my husband always says, you know, you're not just your customer. And so with Apollonia, I took it to friends that I've got of different backgrounds, of different heritages, everything's different. I said, what's the fit like? What's important to you? What do you want to spend? You know, where's the sweet spot? And I really did my market research better so that I had a broader range of a concept. But when I was closing down the business, I did say to my husband, I'm so sad. I come down into my garage and I see all these clothes and I feel like I failed. And he said, you know, it's not a failure, it's a learning curve. And even now when I do designs that I love and people don't buy them, I think, okay, well, I've learned that, you know? I mean, sucks, but try not to take it personally. Yeah, I love that reframe from your husband. That's helpful, isn't it? You need those kind of words of encouragement. (laughs) (laughs) Hannah, what about you? Have you had a business mistake that you'd like to share so other people don't have to make that same mistake? 
Yeah, I think when I started, I was very enamored by these big PR firms and marketing firms that kind of promise you the world. And they say they can take you to whatever height you want in three months. And it's going to cost you $3,000. Maria is nodding. It's going to cost you $3,000 a month and I will make you big time. And I got sucked into that with the PR firms, with the big influencers around the world that I have paid and not seen any results. So I think that that was the growth that they promise you is a 24-hour growth. And after that Instagram story runs out or that Instagram post goes down the grid, you're forgotten unless they keep posting about you. So don't get sucked in by these big glittery signboards that are temporary. I think you need to find a marketing firm or a group like Launchpad that are able to support you long-term and that you can afford long-term as well. Because $3,000 a month on a firm is not sustainable for anyone, big or small, really. So it's a lot of money, yeah. Michelle, what about you? Have you got a learning that you'd like to share? I do. I actually have two, which to me were more as I was scaling. Because in the early days when you're still small and testing out the market, the risks are a little less. But so what happened to me as we were growing was Singapore has a little bit of a shortage in manpower sometimes, um, especially when it comes from manufacturing. Not everyone wants to, you know, be bottling kombucha the whole day. So I a couple of times made the mistake of hiring too fast, which I actually learned at one of the launch pad talks and firing too slow. And the lady was talking about scaling and she said, hire slow, fire fast. I did the opposite. And she was very, very, very right. Um, so that's a lesson learned that if I hire too fast, it doesn't work out. I also have to fire very fast. So that's one lesson learned. And then the second one as I was scaling up, going through these investment rounds, was not factoring in any cash flow. So usually when you buy your supplies, they want cash on delivery. And your clients only pay you around 30 to 60 days later. So you have this huge gap of two months where you're just struggling for cash to pay your staff, to pay your facility. So if you do go for scaling and you are growing or in your business plan that you're working on, have a big column with a big fat number just for cash flow because it's going to save you a lot of sleepless nights and gray hairs when you have to pay those bills and you might have to turn to your husband to say, can you please help me out because I can't until next month, you know, when the cash comes back in. So that definitely helps. Did you say husbands plural? Because that no, would be no. helpful. <laughs> just, just the one to the husband. <laughs> the one. Maybe, maybe plural would be good, especially when you need the cash. Everyone, come on, 10, 10 grand in if you want me to keep going. I love that. I love that. Yeah, cash is a funny one, isn't it? Because I think it's not the sexy end of the business and one that you can constantly just put to later. And But yeah, when you run out, you run out. So that's a good tip. <laughs> so I wanted to ask next, I don't know who'd like to take this one, but how did you go with the regulation of setting up a business in Singapore? Did anyone have any... Hannah, I feel like you, <laughs> you had an experience there. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, I think you'll probably know better. I didn't find it terribly difficult. I hired a company to sort out the legalities. They're called Shining. So they basically act as your guarantor. 
and they give you a business address, a business license, and they do everything for you. They're not terribly expensive and they can do your expenses if you want. I personally don't have the budget for them to do my expenses and I don't really want them looking at it. So I do it myself. I've then recently gone on to a one pass. So my husband's gone on to a one pass and that means he employs me. And that is, I found, much, much easier. But... I would say that the one thing that it's Singapore, you know, everything is pretty straightforward. There's no fuzzy gray areas. As long as you follow the rules, you're good to go. Everything nowadays is researchable online, can be applied online. You know, you want to incorporate, just go to BizFile. Within a minute, it's done. You're a sole proprietor. You don't need huge capital inputs. You can incorporate for a dollar. So you don't need fancy shareholders and things like that. You know, there's ways around having a director that has to be local. You have all these corporate secretaries that you can hire and pay to, you know, help you with that. So it's very, very easy. So, yeah, the regulations in Singapore, they're pretty clear. And I have also found a couple of times, you know, when it comes to MOM, especially when employment matters, you can read it up online. You can find a template online. And if you're ever unsure, honestly, the people behind that generic email, you know, contact us. They're amazing. They always respond in a couple of days. They're always very helpful. They want you to succeed. Um, so don't be afraid to reach out to them and actually say, hey, you know, this contract, that sentence, that article, how do I go about it? Or, you know, I want to hire this person. Which class should I apply for? And they'll always come back with a clear answer and help you out. You know, the same happened. I was in March. I thought I was going to sell kombucha cocktails here at boutiques and it didn't end up happening but I reached out to the Singapore police force you know to talk to, to them about it and I had a call with them they said no sure let's set up a call and we had like a 10 minute call where they went with me through all the regulations they explained the license I needed so just don't hesitate to ask for help they're pretty forthcoming and always there so yeah It's very good advice because I feel like a lot of people have trepidation about contacting the authorities and asking, can I do this? But we've had the same experience at Honeycombers and it's quite remarkable compared to other countries. So Australia, you're waiting for hours and Indonesia is horrendous. So, you know, like it is actually a really easy place to set up and get help. So it's a really good tip. Hannah, I want to ask you, who helped you with your business? Like, was there a vendor or someone that helped you to get started? I thought of this answer this morning, actually. I could say my husband helped me, my mom helped me, my dad helped me. But in all honesty, none of them helped me. This is my thing that I started. <laughs> And I would say the most important group of people or person who helped me is Chris and Launchpad that she created because she... This is not a sponsored no, post. I should be sponsored, actually, and get a year's free membership or something. <laughs> no, but the group of entrepreneurs that they've put together are one of the most helpful and giving group that if you have any questions at any point in the day, you just go on and you're able to either find an expert in their directory who can help you or... 10 people will respond to your question within minutes, what the answer to your question is. And I think that kind of support has been so helpful in terms of navigating the field when I honestly have no idea what I'm doing half the time. Just being a part of the launchpad has been the most valuable thing in my business. And if I were to say 
how I'm going to invest in myself next year, I think I would probably upgrade to the premium membership that Launchpad has. I'm on the basic one right now, but I think I would do the premium one next year because it's been monumental, better than any PR firm, any influencer with like millions of followers. I can't even, this has just been the best. Yeah. I'm getting a bit cheery over here. It's not helpful for me. I'm going to ask questions. Um, thank you. That is so lovely to hear. And I designed it around my own journey, which was really hard. Like, especially as a solo entrepreneur, you know nothing about starting a business. And all of a sudden, everyone comes to you with a question, you know? So I'm, I'm so... Tri- We're all in the same boat in Launchpad and we all want to help each other, which I think is rare to find. Yeah. yeah, it's a special kind of glue, but thank you, Hannah. Poppy, what about you? What do you find difficult about Singapore? Is there pros and cons of Singapore that you would, or is it all easy? <laughs> no, nothing's easy. Um, look, I think the easiest thing about being in Singapore and being able to work is the help you have. You know, I'm able to get my kids to and from school because of the help I have from my helpers who are my family you know she's my daughter's godmother I'm eternally thankful for her in England you know or Italy I'd rely on my parents but it wouldn't be the same so here we do have help to lean on we've also got the structure of Lala Move of there are so many delivery companies that make getting your rails to and from sales much much easier We've got the vicinity of China who make most of our backdrops, I'm sure. And, you know, my products are made in Vietnam and India. We're four or five hours away. So the location is important. But I think, honestly, being in Singapore, it's my helper that makes my life and my work life easy. They're angels. They are. They are. But um, the one last question I wanted to ask, Michelle, is what's working right now for your business? Like what strategy is really helping drive growth? Well, definitely being here at the Boutique Fairs helped. Our first time participating was last March. Uh, We sold a tremendous amount of kombucha, which was surprising. And we definitely felt the aftermath for a whole month after that, where people were more aware um, about what it was in the brands. I have um, recently hired a couple of months ago my first social media manager. Um, it used to be me trying to do all of that and that was a disaster so I'm super happy she's on board so that has been great I also have finally made the decision it's going to be a year soon to hire a photographer to do these photo shoots for the product because again I suck at it you know you can't be good in everything so that has helped to define the brand a bit more and I find with kombucha it's really being present at events because people want to taste So it's a lot of these little pop-ups that we do that help us in that regard, yeah. Cool. Hannah, what about you? What's helping drive your business growth? I think just firstly, everyone needs to join the launch pad. And secondly, one thing is narrow down the group of people you want to help you. If you're looking at an influencer marketing kind of tactic, narrow it down to two or three locally based ladies who are smaller, but who can drive more genuine support to your brand. And also learn to delegate. Like she said, hire a photographer if you need one, if you're not good at it. Learn to take yourself away from it a little bit and get some help because that's very helpful. Very nice. Poppy, what about you? What's driving your business growth? Well, I think, again, it's the community. So 
Honestly, it's leaning on friends and people to wear the clothes, to talk about the clothes, to be excited about the clothes. My kids go to Dulwich and one of my friends was wearing one of my dresses the other day. We were in an event and she just grabbed me and said, this woman asked me where my dress is from. Here, tell her. And I see the mums around the school wearing the clothes and, you know, just getting people wearing it, getting it out in Singapore has been really, really helpful. And I think to your point, you know, figuring out where your market okay I'm not going to take over the world just yet so I'm going to narrow it down to Singapore are there certain you know as you said local influencers or do I want to go down that route or do I want to go on social media I haven't gone down the influencer channel because I'm unsure of that in Singapore it's been friends having them come and love it talk about it to their friends and doing pop-ups We've got about 10 brands that we do pop-ups every three months with and people know to come and where it's going to be and, yeah, use and abuse your friends. That's my, <laughs> my biggest tip. I love that. I love that. Now, do we have any questions from the crowd? So my name is Devin. This is my business partner, My3, and we are launching an online shopping platform for conscious brands. And... One of our big struggles is figuring out our marketing budget. So I was actually super surprised to hear, Hannah, that you said 3K a month was high. Because <laughs> we're assuming we have to spend more than that. So I was wondering, all three of you, how did you go about creating your marketing plans and deciding how much to commit to it? So when I said 3K was high, I meant it because they didn't deliver what they promised. If they were going to deliver what they promised, then sky's the limit, right? You can pay 10, you can pay 20 if you're going to get to big time quickly. I think to be very honest with you, when I first started doing that, I had no idea. I was going in blind. And then because the Launchpad does these master classes every week, I believe, and they always happen to have these SEO masterclasses or this masterclass that you can watch and learn and get the insight that you need before you commit to that kind of um, commitment. So I remember they had the SEO masterclass, which was super beneficial because it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. It was actually useful information that you can take yourself, start this whole SEO journey yourself. Don't pay anyone first see how you go and then it's not as daunting as you think it is so I think you need to watch this masterclass because I'm also with SEO but then it kind of broke it down to the bare basics which I found very helpful and then I watched a couple of these masterclasses and I reached out to the people within the launchpad to help me with different aspects of my marketing plan to be honest so I haven't really done it some people have done it for me <laughs> any other questions yeah yeah, hi, I'm Lakshmi and uh, I'm running my own travel agency. So um, very quickly, you know, I just want to know, like, like right now I'm just rambling with, you know, just like talking to clients, just making basic bookings, talking to accounts, this, that. So I'm like, I don't have the time and I know I have to scale up. Like I am doing good business, but if I want to kind of grow more and because being in Singapore, we had to hire someone, pay someone... I know I need to do that, but I'm making enough just to help myself. How do I do that? So I don't know where to start. I mean, I think what you've got to do is just take a step back and look at what are your strengths yep. personally. Okay. So if you're creating your brand, you are the most important thing for your brand. Yep. No one else is going to share your passion, your vision. So if you're trying to onboard new clients or get new PR, it needs to be you. So if yes. you can delegate 
the marketing or the social media to someone else to get that off your chest or off your deck, then I would. Remember, you are the brand. It's like at my stall, I will sell better than you might sell my stuff and vice versa because you know your brand. So try and stick to those strengths. Just another truth and reality, I think, for a lot of entrepreneurs is in the beginning, you have to make that choice to either pay yourself a small salary, but you're going to stay small, or you hire, you delegate, you don't pay yourself anything, but you give yourself a chance to focus on your strengths, and as she said, and grow. You know, same, at some point, I had to delegate, I had to hire an accountant. I was trying to do it myself. I was losing time where I could be doing business developments. You know, HR, I still do, but the accounting bit was just taking up so much of my time. That was the best decision made. And yes, I shopped around for a lot of, I spoke to so many accountants until I find someone that I liked, I trusted, and who was reasonably priced. I don't think there's many businesses who in the early days are not in the red. You have to make that choice to kind of, you know, invest a little bit of what you get to grow better later on. I think the other thing I'd add to that is you really need to allocate time to work in the business and work on the business, right? So even if you just say, I'm going to do an hour a week of learning on a key area that I want to upskill, and then you can tap into Launchpad with the library at any time that suits you. But I find first thing in the morning before anything gets busy, you do your most important work. So that's your working on the business as opposed to in the business. Any other questions? Thank you. I have uh, one question. So I believe there are several pillars are very important to make the business happen. For instance, products, marketing, sales channels, and accounting, financing, and maybe others I missed. My question is that in the very early stage, in the just a very startup stage, what is your priority? Or how do you prioritize all these different parts? You don't. <laughs> in the very early stages, honestly, you're the only one who can really do everything. And it does get chaotic, and it's it's a full-on cargo speed train that's just hurtling along, and you're grabbing on for dear life. But at some point, when your product is finished and you're happy with it, you can kind of say, okay, I have something finished now. Now let's focus on selling that product, marketing it. I'm really a first-time entrepreneur, so I can't really say, you know, I, I would, this is the way you have to do it. Once you commit, you know, and you just jump in you you just go with it but you have to do everything yourself in the beginning unless you get you know an amazing investor that says you know here's a couple million and you know you can hire 10 people straight away but that's the unicorn right i don't think that's what most of us are are in we're just hustling we're bootstrapping and whatever money we have we put back in the company so you know until you're getting a little bit more sustainable and then yes you can just start Delegating. Again, delegating is just super important at some point. You have to start doing that whenever you think the finances allows you to do it and you feel ready to do it. Also, can I just add, if you cannot delegate, if you don't have the funds to delegate, you can always get help. You can get help from your husband, get help from the launch pad. If I need help, I'm going to be like, hey, I actually need this. Can we work together on it? And like I said, we're all in the same boat. We're all just like jumped into the water and trying to grab onto anything that'll help us stay afloat. So most people are willing to help. And, you know, you just have to be willing to ask for that help, I think. Hi, everyone. My name is Claudia. I'm a co-founder of Restore. We're at Level 3 Brief Room. Come check us out. 
So basically, Restore, we sell upcycled lifestyle accessories. But thanks, panelists, for sharing. I can totally relate. I'm going in blind and trying to stay afloat. But this question is really more targeted, Michelle. I'm really interested in your journey of how you started scaling and gathering funds because I think we're kind of at that stage and contemplating how to go about it. I think when you mentioned the first sort of investment being your friends and family, like how did you approach that? Um, you know, because I think it's kind of sensitive when you ask friends and family and maybe, I don't know, just doesn't feel good taking people's money and risking it somehow. There is always a risk, right? No matter what. The very first round, which is indeed these two friends of mine, I had been, you know, in this kombucha business, I was doing it at home. They obviously were fans, so that helps. If the friends you want to pitch to already like your product, it helps. I kept it very separated from each other. So the friendship parts, and then I made a business plan. I went through all the motions to draw a business plan, to have a beautiful PowerPoint ready. You know, all my numbers were in there. And I just approached it in that same professional manner saying, look, I'm looking for investors. I know you like the product. Can I pitch to you and see if you're interested? And they said, yes. I did my whole very serious kind of, you know, presentation to them. We chatted, we asked questions, we had lots of wine, which helped. And then they just said, let's do this. I really, I like you. In those early stages, it's very personal. You know, they said, you're a friend. I like you. I believe in you. But from the beginning, same. I was very clear and I said, there's always a chance that it might not succeed. I don't know when I'll be able to start paying you back, you know, your dividends. I'm aiming for, you know, a year, whatever. But disclaimer. And they said, that's fine. We're happy to help you on your journey. And then after that, it's just been a regular kind of updating and involving them as much as I could. And like not the key decisions, but just saying, you know, oh, I've hired someone new, you know, oh, we have a new flavor and just keeping them very involved in that. So they see you're working towards success. So that has helped for sure. Honestly, just kind of shut your emotions down for a little bit, present it to them and then see if they're, um, you know, on board to help you which I'm sure they usually are, you know, friends. That's what friends are for as well, right? Just ask for it. If you don't ask, you'll never know. I did, yes. I had a proper five-year plan. You know, we worked on the scaling. You know, we said, this is the equipment we need. This is the amount of volume we need to get to to be sustainable. Um, my operational costs are this, you know. So it was very detailed, which is why they were convinced because they saw I put the work into it. It wasn't just me going, hey, you know, can I get 20K because I got to, you know, I want to buy some stuff. There was work behind it and they saw and yeah, they, they both said yes. <laughs> Round two, which allowed me to, you know, set up the brewery where we are now, which is like massive stainless steel tanks that we bought. That was, again, a network. It was a friend of a friend. We were out for drinks. We're just talking. I'm sharing that I want to scale and I'm looking for investments. Obviously, luckily, she worked in a bank. You know, she was in wealth management. And she said, well, actually, I, I know someone who is in the beer industry and he lo he's looking into kombucha. So it was, in my case, it was just, I think, timing was lucky. But we went through the same motions of the whole presentation. The plan got adapted, obviously, as we were scaling. This new round that I'm going through, which is nothing compared to what I got first. I'm currently trying to raise a million dollars, which is nothing compared to ADK I had at the time. But I, again, I put myself on LinkedIn and I scoured LinkedIn and I found this newly retired CFO who was looking for projects. And I just reached out and said, hey, I'm looking to raise money. You have experience, want to help? 
and he jumped on it and he's been amazing. He used to work for Heineken and Taibev and we meet every week. We go through our numbers together and obviously through his connections, I've been able to pitch to a couple of clients. I'm now almost at the end of potentially finding someone. So that has helped, but it is stressful. It's, it's just a constant, like, kind of knot in your stomach of, is it going to work? Am I going to make it? But yeah, it's fun. <laughs> it's still fun. <laughs> I've got a question about imposter syndrome, because I know a lot of launches have that problem. And I just heard you saying that you have this constant knot in your stomach, and it's not maybe what you're used to doing. But how do you overcome this? You know, I'm a scientist, and now I'm selling jewelry or... I've been in corporate and now I'm selling clothes. It's, it's hard for all of us. And what advice do you have for people? Well, I think you just got to wing it. <laughs> and you just go with the flow, really. Honestly, it started out as I'm a scientist. I'm not a jewelry person. I'm, I'm not somebody who can take selfies of myself and say, look at my necklaces all day long. But that's what you need to do to get your message out. That's what people want to see. What are you wearing every day? And how do you wear it? How do you style it? So you, you learn on the go and it just becomes you eventually. I would say I'm more of a jewelry maniac now than a scientist. I've lost that life. But I think it's also important to, to reel it in every time you can. So with my jewelry, I try to make it as scientifically appealing as possible so you can wear it in 50 different ways an earring is not just an earring with my with my stuff so make the jewelry what I know which is make the jewelry a little bit more scientific in that sense to kind of deal with my anxiety and my imposter syndrome yeah and I think most people have it and most people think they're gonna fail so coming here I've got a good friend who's got a stand upstairs and I said to her I feel like I failed already, like just setting up. And it's so natural because it's your product. You're worried about it. You think, oh God, no one's going to like it. You lean on your friends and we've got a boutiques WhatsApp group and you're like, oh guys. And they're like, you're amazing. Your stuff's great. Oh my God, I love this. And they're not just saying it to say you're friends. You all love each other's stuff and you all love each other. And you just give each other that kick out the bum when you need it and say, stop being so pathetic. You're going to do well. Your product's good. You've got this far. You're already winning. But I think as women, we do struggle with self-belief. And it's like men are called assertive. Women are called bossy. Like, sod that. No, like, you've got this far. You've got a product to market. You've got to a certain step. Go for it, you know? Like, just well, have a glass of wine and believe in yourself, you know? Like, you just surround yourself with good people. Hi, my name is Yu. I just launched my product here just two weeks. Uh, we call Cock and Malai. It's the ethic handmade product from Thailand and artisan product from France. So uh, I would like to ask Pena and, and Poppy, that, do you have any recommendation of the application that it's so many out there? What application that help you for your business and also for your personal life that you have to work all day and manage yourself. So I did find in the early days, from day one, I did pay and it's been helpful for zero, X-E-R-O for the accounting, because it's very easy to use yourself, but also when you're ready to actually hire an accountant, um, most accountants know how to work it, so you can just pass it on to them. And it's not crazy, crazy expensive, it's pretty reasonable. And before I hired my social media manager and I was trying myself to do it, it was actually a very good feature. So yes, Canva is amazing and it's free. So you can design so many things on there. 
Yes, for the room as well. And then I got the paid app at some points. Again, not crazy expensive, which is just called Plan, P-A-L-A-N-N. And you can link it to Canva. And so you basically pre-fill, create your one-month calendar schedule thing, content. You put it all in there. It even gives you tips. Like it will say, why don't you talk about your product today? Why don't you talk about your ingredients today? Why don't you talk about this? And you just kind of fill it in, put in your content, and it just automatically pushes it out to Instagram, Facebook, etc. So I did that for a while, but it does require you to take time at some point and prepare your months. And even that I didn't have time anymore. So, But it, it was useful for a while. Well, I just want to say a big thank you to our panelists. I know it's, one, it's kind of nerve-wracking to sit up here in front of a crowd and talk about not just your successes, but also your failures. So I appreciate your honesty and candor and being brave. Yeah, and thank you all for coming. Oh, how good was that episode? I loved chatting with Poppy, Michelle and Henna. It was just great. There's nothing better than getting a bunch of entrepreneurs to just chew the fat and listen to their story. I just love it so much. My big outtake from this is really that testing of your product market fit cannot be overstated and really engaging thorough market research and seeking early feedback are really important steps. I loved the conversation around delegating. I think that's a really challenging but big step a lot of early entrepreneurs need to make. And I also loved touching on fundraising and the importance of a clear business plan and really seeking those first funds from friends and family with a really well thought out detailed plan. It is really important to think about cash flow when scaling and really recognize potential delays between supplier payments and customer receipts. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. If you found this episode helpful or enlightening or engaging or educational, I would just love, love, love for you to leave a review, give us a rating or share it on your socials and tag us. We'd love to know you're listening and that you're getting value. Finally, if you're interested to learn more about Launchpad and join a community of conscious entrepreneurs that are purpose-led and super supportive, come and check us out. You can go to www.thelaunchpad.group. Thanks again for tuning into Good Business. My name's Chris Edwards, and I hope that you're as inspired as I am to start or grow your own good business. Good business.